Hey guys, Walter Fetchick here to tell you that Unicorn.com may be the world's premier esports betting site, but they're also your best bet for keeping up with all the esports you love. With their site's newest update, they've reinvented their Live Now system and created a TV guide style layout to find out when your favorite teams will be playing next. And if that isn't simple enough, they've even added a search bar to help filter it down even further. And you know, even if you aren't a gambling fan, Unicorn's newest update is a must-have for any esports fan. And you might even discover your favorite new writer in their news section. We've got my man Drowling with some excellent CSGO content, and you can find some fantastic articles from my lovely co-host, Chase Wassner, as well. So check out the new layout at Unicorn.com, because there are a few places where you can stay up to date on all your favorite esports, and Unicorn can help. Unicorn.com. Welcome to the new e-sportsbook. Hello Internet, my name is Walter C.A.D.'s Fedchuk and welcome to another special edition of the Rough Drafts Guest the Line podcast. It is the EULCS Summer Split Semi-Finals. We are already on to round Two of the playoffs over in the European LCS, and uh, it was it was a an interesting uh, quarterfinals round to to say the least. Uh, I have I have a little egg on my face. I, I'm I'm gonna have to eat some crow here, um, but that's fine. I mean, it was a fine weekend, and I'm just gonna say it was fine. And Chase is gonna be all high and mighty, and he'll be all excited. So as always, my co-host and good friend Chase. Redshirt King Wassener. Chase, how are you doing on this yeah. lovely evening as we record? You know, I'm doing great. You know, it's hard sometimes to be right. Like I apparently was back in the day when I said at the beginning of this season, I thought that by the end of the split, Misfits would be better than the Unicorns of Love. Now, I was wrong to put them as high as I did. That was wrong. But it turns out I was also wrong to put the Unicorns as high as I did because... This was a weird week for people that that really thought that the favorites were going to come out and stomp, that there were these clear tiers of teams between the top four and the bottom two. I think we learned this week of nothing else. Those tiers just aren't there. Um, I saw the Misfits team that I thought this team was going to be at the beginning of the split. I have no idea how long it's going to last. Certainly the sample size doesn't tell me that it's going to last all that long, but Honestly, this is just making me wish that we'd had more games during the regular season. Like, these are the kind of things we could have had some of these ebbs and flows. We could have had these moments where these teams kind of had that second meetup and we could have had the rematch. We could have seen how maybe some of these teams could have fleshed things out a little bit more. So, 82 match regular season. I'm all for it. Let's go. <laughs> I, I'm just asking for the 18 that North America gets. I'm, I'm not saying that we need to be exactly the same, but, you know, separate but equal. We should have the same, you know, we should have enough enough the rough drafts it's, podcast does not endorse separate but equal yeah, in any yeah. way shape or form that is I, a disclaimer that is from my lawyer that is sitting right here nick the producer has put his head in a bucket because he can't just <laughs> he can't believe that chase just said that look man i i think that wow. north america's league uh, lcs they've gone on record now saying that they they want this to be uh, a Western League of Legends scene. That's why they delay the North American start times for the European ones to end. So 
I say we need to, you know, if you want to keep the format separate, like that's fine, but give us an equal amount of content. Give us an equal amount of of film to watch that we could scrutinize so that we can see these teams evolve because we should not have had two series that just came out of nowhere. I mean, I, like this, this was no one expected Misfits yeah. to three O Unicorns no. of Love. Even I, as someone who was on this pod last week saying it's going to be closer than people think, there are problematic matchups here. No way, in no universe, did I think this was going to be a three O for Misfits. Um, and I, I think that people who would have picked that certainly wouldn't have seen anything within the EU LCS split to back up that prediction. So I, I think that. This was a shocking week. This was a surprising week. I think that it is a great case for why those middle-of-the-pack teams maybe needed some more games to flesh things out and get to here. Because, look, Misfits, their rebuild worked. And 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 Splice, I think, put up a great effort. And it's an effort that I think will benefit them when the gauntlet rolls around. But we'll get to the... We should probably just get right into these Vanquish teams, right? Yeah, abs- absolutely. I would say... Uh, I would say let's 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 just start with Unicorns Love. Let's get it over with. Um, yeah. Chase. Exile is just really bad at League of Legends now. He's it, not it kinda, good. It kind of hurts my soul that he's just this bad. I thought this was really going to be a breakout year for him, uh, you know, really build upon what they did in the spring and just, I, he doesn't play anything. Like he has no champion pool. It, his champion pool is shallower than Vladimir's. Like it just, and it's about as, it, like it lasts as long too. That's about it. Like he can play Vladimir and, uh, I, what else? That was the irony. He could have played Vladimir this week he chose not to i don't understand i you know i want to i think there are two levels of problems that i have with the unicorns of love performance next this past week and i I think we need to address them separately uh and i'm going to start with sheepy like for all the credit we give him and he is a great coach he's a great innovator but we have like one of these series every year and it's the reason we've jumped on them in the past and we've learned now not to to jump quite so hard but we've had these moments before where Sheepy overthinks the game plan and goes against what has defined his team. And this was a great example. I I don't know what the plan was in these drafts. I mean, Talon is okay in the fact that Exile can play it, right. but this is a team that at their best, what have they been doing? It's mid to late game, team fight around neutral objectives, get your tempo game going and maximize your efficiency on these trades. Early game snowball is not the unicorns of love. Their early game is one of the weakest parts about them as a team during the regular season. They were regularly below 50 early game rating, which means that their early game was putting them at average at a disadvantage, mm-hmm. slight one, and they were making up for it with their team play. But what is Talon going to do in a 5v5 team fight, especially in this current tank meta? What what was the plan to have, you know, in, in game three in particular, you have the, the Zac, the... You know, the Sivir, like, they're just... You really went in on all these map rotations. Like, we're just going to get these kills, and Xerxes going to get everything going, and we're just going to knock fight, fight, fight. Like, like that, that, was, that was it. It's just they were like, we are going to keep fighting. We're just going to fight, we're going to fight, but we're going to start fighting earlier. And Mesmets were like, okay. <laughs> like, we'll fight you earlier. Yeah, you know what, <laughs> all Mesmets, right. 
fighting early. This is the this was the one stat like we kept bringing up. The Misfits for most of the season were the second best early game team in the league. Yeah, they had a couple bad weeks up at the end of the split because as we talked about before and we will talk about a little bit later, they've changed a lot of things in their game plan. But they're still known. That was their thing. Because Power of Evil is such a great laner, right? And yeah. Alfari used to be a great top laner, and we know that Hansama and Ignar hold their own there. I don't. I just don't understand. I, I don't understand from a philosophical perspective. Even if they were champions that unicorns could play well, and some of them I'm not sure they were, but even if they were, this was the wrong Dude. team to try this out against. It, it almost felt like it was a disrespect. Like they didn't think the Misfits could keep up with that constant fighting pressure. And I, I think that's just a misread. Do, um, do we feel like this is the bad unicorns love, like, sheepy prep game and that they go into the gauntlet and they're, they're going to look better? Or is the, the weakness of exile just... And even Hillisong, like, I, I mentioned it. I thought... I didn't think Hillisong played awful, but, like, every time Ignar played anything that could hook him, he was like, all right, I'm just going to walk into hooks and... and Maybe it's maybe it's Ignar playing out of his mind. Maybe it's Hellasan just not dodging or, or just not reading I mean, it right. But like both can be true. Yeah, bo- this both can be true. So I can't put Hillasang on my old pro list. This is the, this these moments are exactly why because there were so many moments where they needed him to be in those team fights and play that role. And he got hooked and he was dead. And that's I like as as a coach when I thought about what I needed my support to do that is something I could not afford and you just saw in the series I think how much that can spiral out of control when you rely when, when you have a support that is so aggressive that that's the one mentality they have if you need to shift gears it there just wasn't anything there the unicorns of love especially right. you know they didn't have the hearts you see it was really just a weird kind of kind of week for that but I mean good news and bad news unicorns uh, on the bad news you clearly didn't play to your strengths and you clearly have a problem with your mid lane and it's not getting any better and chachi is still not playing near the same level that he was in the spring split Mm -hmm. he got his all pro award i'm happy for him even though i didn't vote for him that's that's fine but he's not he was not the first team top laner right this was a third team snuck in there somebody you know like it's not in there (laughs) there were a few people close to him in the votes i don't think he was like it was not a definitive great visit chachi season you you you, i mean obviously you disagree i know you voted for him so i'm not i'm not here i also voted for expect too but like chachi needed to get into the you know get into those landing matchups and win those matchups hard that's what alfari's weakest part was this season yeah, guess what? Alfari was the MVP of the series. Alfari had like a 37.1 KDA or something absurd. Yeah, I, 37 KDA this weekend. Like, I wouldn't have agreed with that. I mean, I'm just saying, like... I wouldn't agree with Alfari being the MVP. I, I'm not saying he was the most valuable player either. His numbers were absurd, and I think he got credit because he was going up against Chachi, and people were like, oh, Chachi's great. Alfari looked great in this, therefore he must have been great. I think Alfari played well, but I think that Chachi lost lane. Chachi was behind a, yeah, a fair, fair chunk of times, and, and even when he had gotten little leads, like all that meant is that Maxlor would just come take care of him, and the vision wasn't there. They weren't able to to deal with a lot of that early game pressure and they and they were constantly, you know, I think that's one of the reasons all these games ended as quickly as they did. Mm-hmm. Now the good news is that the Unicorns of Love from a, a map macro perspective, I thought were solid. 
I, I thought that their rotations, they were rotating to the right places. They weren't mm -hmm. executing, but they were in the right place at the right time. And they did on multiple occasions, especially in game two, I noted several times in which they minimized the damage uh, that a, a fight, you know, they lost a fight, but they were right there to defend the tower. So they only lost one tower instead of two, or they didn't lose any towers at all. And it was just a little bit of vision pressure. Mm -hmm. You know, they, they can minimize the damages. So we know that they understand the game in that way. And that's more that's, macro that's, understanding than they get credit for, which yeah, is why it's I'm never been an to... issue for unicorns of love, but they, yeah. their macro understanding. I don't think it's ever even back in I, the first IEM San Jose playing something like, you know, Twisted Fate Jungle is because you have incredible macro understanding. I don't think that's ever been Sheepy's issue or anything. It just well, tell, is... tell that to analysts who make jokes about how unicorns don't care about macro play, which is, I, I that's why that's I all they do. They don't do anything micro. It's all macro. It's all I want. We the, the chaos style, the animal style, whatever the hell they want to call it to make Yost pull his hair out on end. Like that's macro. That's not micro. That's not like, all right, let's get every single minion in this way. That's like, Let's just fight. Let's just roam around the map and fight people. That is that is macro at its core. And anyone who says that the unicorns of love don't understand macro are just wrong. Look, you're you're preaching to the choir, I and I want to hear. I want the unicorns of love fans to hear this choir that we're joining, because I don't want you to feel like we're haters. Joining? I've been at the front of it. I'm the choir director. <laughs> what That's are you talking fair. About? Fair. The moral of the story is unicorns. I'm sorry. This was a bad series it's a bad oh, it's loss and it's the kind of bad loss that you know we have some unicorns of love fans in the discord i know a couple of them in real life like this is this is the i don't even care about europe anymore kind of depressing this is the i've already given up on the gauntlet kind of depressing i i've never seen a, a fan base that is so well known for their energy and passion just that fall def this hard so though. like I, I can't i can't blame the, f the fan base for being deflated i i would just like i'm gonna you know when the gauntlet comes up i'm gonna be cheering just as hard for them as i have been yeah. so like i can totally understand where everybody is like i, I watched that series live and the entire time i'm just going oh god oh god oh god the, the only the only redeeming quality was that i got the han sama pop off like i yes. finally got to see forgiven level han sama and it was awesome but at the yeah. same time my heart was getting ripped out of my chest because unicorns looked so bad uh unfortunate we do have another team that did also get eliminated this weekend uh but they don't tread on splice yeah damn they looked good they looked it great was they were impressive it was a great series i i, I really do feel like it was if not the series of the week, I think CLG Envious was the series of the week, and we'll get to that on tomorrow's show. But this was a great best of five, back and forth, really, you know, a lot of key moments. It really came down to one or two mistakes on both sides, I think, that ended up sealing the day. And I, I love when we get to those points because it, it tells us that, you know, here's this Splice team that we thought wasn't going to be able to come out and compete. And it's close, and it's damn close. And it's close because the entire team, out of nowhere remembered what splice is this is the this was our frustration forever is this they weren't playing to what they do well they you know you could tell that yamato Cannon had left you could tell that there wasn't this strong coaching kind of influence there and that things had really fallen apart and you know th this was a series in which they refound that identity they stepped back into what splice does and what does splice love splite loves scaling late game team fights 
playing around these kind of macro rotations and making sure that they can capitalize on any mistake that you make. And that's what they did. And they did it beautifully in game one. I thought that, you know, Trashy's Jarvin su looked surprisingly good. I was not I'm expecting not Trashy to look... I'm not surprised. I'm, I'm really it's... not, because, like, think think about the champions that he's good at. He's good at Gragas. Like, the champions that he's really good at. Gragas and Rek'Sai. They have mm -hmm. that level three, that's when we can gank with Flash type gank pattern. Mm -hmm. And Jarvin fits that to a T. He brings the CC... I, I thought I, it does not surprise me that he's a solid Jarvan player. Um, what surprises me is that over the course of the series, it seemed like he was kind of outplaying Trick. Which, yeah, I mean, I never ever thought I would say that, and I think that that you know is more something to discuss about G two. I still don't trust Trashy. If the meta ever changes, <laughs> like if the meta stays like this forever, Trashy's a solid jungler. But we all know it, it doesn't. It's going to change. Picking up the Sejuani is the one thing that I would point to. Like, maybe it could change. Maybe he is but learning again, Sejuani things. is the same thing. As the I'm not saying that he, he shouldn't be able to play it, but we have a whole bunch of evidence from the regular season that it wasn't going very well. And this time it went very well. And, and Smithy would like to talk to you about Sejuani not going well and then getting better at it. So, like... Look, you're not wrong. <laughs> but you know what? Like, this was exactly the kind of team that made me want to give him three all-pro spots this split. This is... You know, I, Sencox looked great. His rotations were awesome. I thought that he was always in the right place at the right time. He played the Galio out really well um i i thought that in general you know Kabi and mickey looked solid i yeah. think mickey in particular looked very consistent and saw a lot of good lane trades i think Kabi kind of was limited by the champions that he chose to really focus on a lot of Jin, a lot Why? of zaya it's it, because he really likes that mid-game spike Jin is just like that's he wants good. it like the 20 minute it's not great in this meta, but it's, it's something bad. that Kabi's very good at, and I, you know, I, they they do enough with it. I, I don't think it was a great pick here, and I do think it cost them, especially in some of the uh, games that really turned against them. Mm -hmm. uh, game two was a great example where you know he was technically ahead for a good chunk of it, but it didn't matter because he wasn't accomplishing much with it, right. and so all that you know G two had to do was like, oh well, we'll rotate over here where we can get all the resources, and what are you gonna do? Uh, oh, we won't do anything when uh, we lose. But there are basically, you know, this, these series came down to two, two things that Splice did wrong. And they are very learnable things to, to fix for the gauntlet. Uh, number one, game three, they did not understand the limitations of their composition. I, I think that that Baron play was one that they absolutely should not have taken because they do not have enough damage on their roster to nuke down a Cho'Gath who is feeling very healthy at that point in the game. That was a mistake. Oh, they spent everything on him. They, tar they, they tried to nuke him as hard as they could, and they got him about two-thirds of the way, and there was just nothing left, and they got wiped, and, and things just spiraled from there. I think a lot of that's a compositional failing. I'm not sure that Jace was necessarily the best idea into that. Wins lane, but doesn't give you what you needed on the on the back end there so you know i i think that that's something they could easily fix um either by playing around the map a little bit differently or just having more damage in your composition and game five they got outflanked twice they didn't have words to protect their backside and perks made the brilliant play came around the side got that great play at the elder dragon yeah, perks able mm. to take that mm. 
Perks. Per hmm. Perks is a very good player. I, I have never said otherwise, and I will not say otherwise. But it was one of those things where it was not just that he was a good player, it was that he was a smart player. He was an intelligent player. And he made a move that I think, you know, as, as a spectator, we can kind of lose a sense of how intelligent that is, right? Because mm -hmm. all we see is he, you know, he makes a little loop around and the fight's there because we know that the enemy team is there and we know that they don't have a ward and we know that that flank's going to work. But he didn't know that. And yeah. G2 didn't know that. Yeah. They, like... This was a gamble for him. If they, if there was a war there and they were able to peel and nuke him down, mm -hmm. it's a whole different story. Right. But he, I, I think that he had a very good sense of where, over the course of the series, Splice hadn't warded. And if you go back through some of these Elder Dragon fights, you will notice that Splice doesn't protect that backside. And you know what? That is one of those things I want to I, I, I want to praise Young Buck. I want to tell like say that he must have noticed that in the film and as he's watching the games and he's like we got to attack that and Perks had that in mind. I don't know. That might be me trying to assign Anyone more credit to coach because I'm because I'm a former coach and I want to get you know, I want to give coaches credit for what they do. But even if you think that it's 100% Perks it was very intelligent from G2. And it was not this like monumental, oh my God, I can't believe Splice made that mistake. A lot of teams make that mistake. A game five of a do or die series in which they are the underdogs and they have this tenuous lead. Like, I I have a hard time hating on them for that. I, I find it very difficult to say that this is something we should just condemn and how dare they have thrown the series away. I think that overall it was a strong performance. I was impressed more than I was frustrated by them. And I think that if they can take what they learned in this matchup, just the growth between the end of the split to this, if they can take another leap before the gauntlet, mm -hmm. that this is that the closest. On the team, man. Yeah, this is the closest that they've looked to that summer, uh, summer 2016 form. Yeah, like where they odd, odd fire, you know, played a strong series against G2, made it to Worlds. Like this is the strongest they've looked in a while. Mar Marty, Marty. Marty had a statement where he, I forget what website it was, but he did an interview and he's like, I have the utmost faith in these five guys. And it's like, the when I first thought about it, I was like, yeah, but like, really? Should he be saying that? Like, really? That just kind of feels like you're backing yourself into a corner. But like, he's got faith in these guys. And if they can pull this out and they can have a good run in the gauntlet, I, I think it's worth running back. The, the only issue I really have is just like, when the meta changes and Trashy can't play Kha'Zix and Graves and all of these assassin-y kind of junglers, like, you just go out and get a jungle. Like, do you go get a second jungler and just be like, yeah, when it's tanky, trashy time, we're going to play Trashy. And when it's assassin-y, not trashy time, we're not going to play Trashy. Like, maybe that's I'd the next that. evolutionary stuff. Gilius. They should just go get Gilius. Oh, my God. Get Gilius. Get Gilius. Mm. Marty, get Gilius. I'm sorry, I'm going to move on from that. We're actually going to move on to players that are playing this weekend in the LCS finals and not yeah, the emotional gonna, series. I was going to say, technically they're playing this the playoffs. week. They are. Yeah, they're playing against Shulk. That'll be a fun series. But Chase, we are going to go ahead and move on to uh, to actual games this week. We're going to start off with the, uh, the Saturday matchup of Fnatic versus Misfits. So we already kind of talked about unicorns of love you decided to instead use that moment to mainly gush about misfits hey hey i'm not saying that i'm not saying that harshly i'm just saying you've already kind of said a lot of things about misfits but we didn't really touch on the han sama uh a point and i know you want to talk about power of evil 
Talk to me about Han Sama. What did you notice that they were doing differently in this series that, you know, from the previous weeks that really made Han Sama and then even Power of Evil shine on these well, 80 carries? You know what? I don't want to talk about Power of Evil. Power of Evil is, like, the third most interesting player from this series. Look, I, I like Power of Evil. He's a great player. Glorious. But this is something where you and I have talked about this in private. To, be, to take the leap from being a very good player to a great one involves being able to understand when to take a step back and let your teammates shine and help them be better. And this was the huge thing for me when I was the most frustrated with this team was when Power of Evil, at the time I wrote my article for Unicorn, mm -hmm. was getting 25.2% of his team's gold, which was the most of any single player in Europe, second in the West behind only Jensen. And he had this tendency to try to do too much. He'd overextend for these you know, big power plays. And the last couple weeks, Misfits have been trying to shift the gold down there a little bit more, be a little bit more balanced. It didn't look great from what we were seeing on the stage, but they were trying new things. They needed yeah. to adapt. And if you look at the gold disparity in this series, Han Sama, 26.1% of the team's gold. Uh, power of Evil, just 224 that is a huge shift. A, that's a shift that falls much more in line with where we think the meta should be. B, that falls much more in line with your, in my opinion, of Han Sama, which is that Han Sama's really good at the game of League of Legends. Like, he's just really good at this game. And it was so nice to see him be good at this game. And it was so nice to, to under, like see him kind of put these pieces together and really just take out his lane opponents, take out in these team fights, just... I mean, he was he was clean, and he was clean on everything that he played. And I, I think that, you know, the, the number of times I'm just looking at my notes now where I had Han Sama in all caps with at least one exclamation point, I, I think that he had an amazing series. And I, it was nice to see him finally be given the opportunity to carry. And you know who else I'm really glad got an opportunity to do some carry things? Max Lord, my boy. I've been in the Max Lord camp for so long. It's the one reason I rated Misfit so high this offseason. I love this player, and everyone's been asking me, are you out on him yet, finally? Are you done with this whole Max Lore thing? And I said, look, he's doing his role well. When he's put in a better role, I think he's going to look great. 41.0 KDA. Bring it on home, Max Lore. But more importantly than the KDA, which really is irrelevant, numbers, given numbers, that it's numbers. only a C-game series, he played Poppy. Played Poppy Jungle. That is a pick that only the Unicorns of Love had done by that point, and is still not something that we've seen widely executed well uh, in in an attempt to counter the Zack pick. And Maxlor played it perfectly. In fact, he might have done it a little bit better than Xerxes did it. You yeah, this shut is shut your damn mouth. <laughs> I was shocked too. It was you an amazing game. I'm not saying that I was expecting it. Wow. I'm not saying that Max is a better player across the board, though. It's he's getting there. Um, I just thought it was a really great Poppy game. He really understood the ins and outs and how to make use of, of those initiations and, and, and disengage at the right time and catch out the Zack and really make it difficult for Unicorns to make a play. And then you add on to that, suddenly Alfari is like winning lane every now and then, and he's getting some really nice initiations and he's actually being a contributing member to his own team. He didn't die once this whole series, despite being right. by far the weakest link during the regular season. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is exactly the Misfits team that when I thought they could be the second best team in the league, this is how I drew it up. 
Maxler was going to make their communication sharper and he was going to fill his role great. Alfari is going to continue to be a monster. Ignar is going to continue to be a playmaker. All three of those came through this week mm -hmm. when at best only one of them had come through in any week yeah, previous so, to this. So, so now it's time to burst the bubble, Chase. Uh, Chase, who are they playing this week? <laughs> They're playing a much better team. They're playing Fnatic. And this is where hope goes to This die is where Chase gets very, very team. sad. Sad is a harsh word. I like this fanatic team. I, I, it's true. I love everybody, as I like to say on this show. And you know, I, I like good League of Legends. And the reason I like Fnatic is because they've been the best at performing great League of Legends games consistently over the course of this split. And they've done it in split push strategies that I mm -hmm. think they could absolutely execute against Misfits. The one thing that we haven't really seen Misfits be able to do is really encounter that one-three-one very effectively. I think that if they get spread out and they're unable to necessarily make as many quick rotations as they'd like, you know, they really like forcing those skirmishes. If you spread them out and they can't do that, I think the Misfits could have a problem there. Uh, and I think, on the other hand, Fnatic's team fighting has also been great when they've opted into those kind of compositions. I think that Fnatic can pick scaling comps and, and have really late game fights with something like Sivir as a hyper carry in the late game or a Caitlyn. Uh, I could totally see you know, this kind of mid-game spike with something like a Zaya and really trying to, you know, force to get something, cap something like a LeBlanc or a Syndra or any of these other mages that really can spike at that time and really take advantage of fights around Baron and, and kind of close out with the efficiency that they've shown. The thing about Misfits is that as good as they looked against Unicorns of Love, they only had to counter one thing. And Unicorns of Love made it easier for them by doing the one thing that Unicorns of Love do really well as poorly as they have done it this season, which is trying to have those kind of constant skirmishes. Fnatic doesn't need to constantly skirmish f Misfits. Misfits can, are going to try to force fights. They're certainly going to do their best. But Broxa is one of the best defensive gankers in the West. I think he was the best jungler in Europe, and I probably in North America too. It really depends. I thought Broxa can absolutely make sure that he's there at the right place at the right time and that Maxlor isn't getting the upper hand on him on any of these rotations. I don't think that Reckless is going to care at all that Hansam is looking great. I think Reckless is Reckless, and I think that bot lane's going to be just fine. Uh, Caps is not afraid of Power of Evil. I think that lane's at least going to be close. And Soaz right now, first team all pro Soaz, is playing out of his mind. And I think that Alfari, as good as he looked last week, We've had a lot more games in which he didn't look all that great. And I think that that's the what I'm more expecting to show up in this high-pressure situation. And there's one other thing that Fnatic has going their way that Misfits doesn't. We don't know if Misfits can take a punch. We have not seen Misfits lose a game one and then come back to win a series I guess technically you could say that Splice self-imploding series from last split where they were down 2 nothing and then came back, but I think a lot of that was Splice so opening the door apart. in a way. I don't think Fnatic's going to. I think that Misfits are going to have to rise to the occasion, which means playing as well as they did last week while trying to adapt to multiple different styles that Fnatic can bring out there. I just think this team, as much as I commend them, for the growth that they've made. And the Misfits should feel great about how much they were able to grow and, and adapt their system to where it needed to be in such a limited amount of time. Fanatic's done just that as well. Fanatic's really good. 
that's really good at League like, of Legends. Like, like we, 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 this is something you and I, I don't know if we brought this up on the pod, but you and I have talked about privately behind the scenes of, like, you know, Misfits has done this transition of away from power people being the, you know, uh, 90% of the resources and everyone kind of picks up the scraps. But we talked about how pre, pre-Rift Rivals, Fnatic was, like, exclusively a 1-3-1 split push team. And then after Rift Rivals, now they're actually like an objective team fighting focus teams and Reckless is actually playing meta 80 carries, yeah. which like Twitch is a meta 80 carry right now. So he yeah. can like play Twitch, he can play Zaya, like he can play Callista, which is something that Reckless has always been amazing at. Like as much as we praise Misfits for making this change, Fnatic did it, they did it better, and now it adds a second, you know, a, a second gun in their holster where if Misfits comes out firing and unloads all six shots and Fnatic unloads all six shots, all of a sudden there's a second gun in Fnatic's hand and I don't think Misfits has one. Like, yeah. Do you think that's off base or, or do you no. think that's pretty pretty realistic? I think that's very realistic. I, I think that Fnatic have demonstrated both as a team and as an organization that they understand how to handle playoffs. They've got a lot of veterans on here who have been there before. They've got a lot of guys who, you know, understand just the, this depth of a career that they, these, most of these players have had uh, different different metas at different times, at different eras, if you look at someone like Jez's. I, I think that this is a team that will be 100% ready to go. Dylan Falco is going to have them all revved up. They've got a whole extra week of film on Misfits. They've been sitting back and getting to relax and refresh. They didn't have, you know, a do-or-die series last week in which if they lost, they were going to be at the bottom of the gauntlet and have to battle their way all the way back up, which Misfits really did not want to do uh, and I don't think would have ended very well for them. So I think that all of the pressure is on Misfits and Fnatic just needs to play their game. And, oh, by the way, we haven't brought this up yet, but I do feel it's worth mentioning Dylan Falco versus Daku. I know which coach I'm trusting here. I'm not. I'm not saying that. Like, I, I appreciate Daku for last week. However, I'm gonna go with the guy who has produced a lot of great teams in you know different regions, even if they didn't all have the same happy ending. Uh, that it looks like Fnatic is moving. He's had his hand with a lot of successful teams. Yes, you know, with with a lot of them, even even the envious roster last split, where you know it, he highlighted his best player, and I think really set kind of the foundation for what they were able to accomplish this split. Um, he's left his mark on on quite a number of teams, and it's nice to see him in the spot. Chase, I know you trust Dylan Falco. I know you probably trust every single player on Fnatic more than their Misfits counterparts. So it's down to brass tacks here. I am up two points on you. Yeah. In the challenge. You I don't like four it. Four opportunities to earn a point against me. Mm-hmm. This is this is the first point. Well, no, the week. gauntlet's included in this too. Oh yeah, the gauntlet's included in this. Gauntlet. That's right. I've got a little bit more time. I don't think but we caught the still... gauntlet this year. Oh, how... I think we're gonna cut the gauntlet out. No, I, I wonder think we're how you take would it feel out. that one. I think we're gonna take it out this year. It's not gonna count this year. That being said, just for canon purposes, so what I just said was true. Where do you think the line is on Fnatic versus Misfits? I think that the casinos are going to have no faith in Misfits. I think that this is a one-sided series on paper, and as much as we would love to believe the Misfits have moved the bar and this is the new team, we've got a lot of games that tell us that that's not the case. This was a team with a losing record at the end of the split, lest we forget. I have Fnatic minus 500. 
Yep, you're gonna get this one. Uh, yeah. I did not go high enough. I said Fnatic minus 333. It is Fnatic minus 526. There you go. Misfits are plus 340 underdogs. Um, yeah, I was going back and forth between minus 400 and minus 500. I, I just, I don't think their Misfits are getting much credit for last week. Fnatic 2-0 is at plus 175. Uh, you mean 3-1? Yeah, 3-0. Uh, so minus two and a half. Minus two and a half is plus one seventy five. Got it. Okay. Uh, what about a misfits like plus one and a half? Uh, plus one forty five. Okay. Uh, five maps. Plus two forty. It's not I mean, happening. Five maps is not happening. Yeah, I don't know it's if I like happening. like any of these. Which, by the way, is exactly why we told you guys not to bet last week. In all reality, we actually went basically even in Europe. We we won our bet uh, on splice keeping it close. We lost our bet where we trusted Unicorns of Love to take care of business. So we lost a whole five dollars. Mm-hmm. We're thirteen and sixteen on this uh, on the split. Eight dollars in the black. We've made money compared to the last split. I guess we'll take it. But this is another one of those series in which I have a feeling we're going to make a smart money bet because we run a podcast and. We're- which we make smart money bets, but I'm not necessarily going to recommend that anyone else follows. I too. don't. I again, there's just no value in Europe because I think the team, the good teams, are that much better than the bad teams. Uh, well, moving on. <laughs> Misfits had something to say about that last week. Twenty-eight to three. Moving hey! on. H2K hey. versus G2. Wow. H2K versus G2. G2 coming off of a very hard-fought series against Splice. H2K sort of stumbling their way into the number one seed uh, in that in their group, losing out to Unicorns of Love in the last week of the season, the last match of the season, um, but overall looking pretty strong, looking like H2K, uh, a team that was in the semifinals of Worlds last year. Just want yeah. to bring that up because that's pretty strong. But this is a pretty important match for H2K when it comes to uh, it comes to seeding for the gauntlet because they were in the fifth, sixth spot. Uh, in the spring and only got 10 points so if they don't want to have to make a really long run in the gauntlet they they need to kind of win this series and knock off g2 or else they're probably going to be in that very first match um chase going into this kind of what were some of your thoughts on g2 coming out of that splice match i i'm up in the air like you said they had some pretty solid moments and it seemed mainly focused around perks but um it seemed like the the other stars on this team, Sven and, and Trick, were sort of, I want to say, non-existent. Like, they didn't stand out to me at all. It's funny that you say that, because according to the numbers, the exact opposite is true. Perks actually had the lowest KDA of any of the players last week on G2 with a 2.7. He died 17 times, uh, 66.7%. Uh, compl- uh, kill participation and most surprisingly negative 302 goal differential at 10 minutes he so, was losing quite a bit to send in the early game while Sven was at least winning his lane I, I think that I think a lot of what we saw with this team is that we expect a couple things from a G2 win definitely. one we expect G2 to be able to control the map because we expect Trick to be able to put his influence on the map because he usually is so good at this whole jungle control thing kind of his shtick over the years and we're supposed to believe that they're going to just take a couple of these towers and as soon as they get a neutral objective bam off they go and one of the most alarming things i think that g2 have to look at for this week they had a 39.2 early game rating 
they sucked in the first 10 minutes. In the first 15 minutes, it was kind of questionable. And against H2K, that is a death sentence. That is H2K's thing. Like, and, and more than it was Misfits' thing. H2K leads the league in early game rating because they have this crazy snowball tendency. That's what they do. They get Yankos going, and Yankos gets the first kill, and that yeah, gets but, Bivin going. But, so but let, Bivin let's pause out. here. Let us, let us pause here. Because you you act as if this is some infallible, invincible thing that because H2K has such a brilliant early game, how long have we been watching H2K as a team, Chase? Look, like four years? Hey, I'm getting there. You're, okay. you're, you're cutting me off along the way. I, I, I'm sorry, but I just, I don't want to like build them up to be like, yeah, there's these monsters in the early game. They're undefeatable. And then just be like, no, everyone, let's not forget they don't know what they're doing in the late well, game. Yeah, we'll get to H2K in a bit, but, like, I don't care how bad H2K's late game is if your early game is this bad, G2. You cannot recover again. Like, if you're losing that much in the early game to Splice, to Splice, like, Yankos versus Trashy. Like, you see my point, right? Like, this is a concern to me. And it's certainly one of the, you know, you look at it, especially in terms of just sheer jungle control, uh, they didn't have it for good chunks of this these series they would end up kind of getting it towards the late game but you really saw zero percent of first towers in this series uh 40 percent of first three towers in the series only 40 percent of rift heralds um they were behind on lane efficiency which is something we're not used to seeing so this team that is known for their efficiency wasn't all that efficient this week that's a concern the second thing that we know about a unicorn uh, a g2 victory i should say is that they're supposed to be able to do it by, by this team fighting around neutral objectives that then hyper-efficient use of that resource. And certainly you saw elements of that. You know, game three was a game that was decided because they picked the right fight at the uh, at the Baron. And they were able to execute that. They got that Baron, got a massive push, and the game went their way for the rest of the day. I think that game two was a good example of a team. Like, they had full objective control. Got every dragon, got every baron. But their vision didn't look quite right at times. And we saw, especially in game four, they were giving up objectives that they didn't need to give up. And as the game went on, they were making more mistakes, not fewer. They were opening themselves up. They were leaving, like, little holes in their skirmishes that, you know, sometimes Sven just wasn't quite in the right spot, and he'd get killed on this Tristana a little bit too early. You saw that with Perks and his Cassiopeia positioning at times, where he would be a little bit caught out and Splice was able to just jump on it. It, it felt like Splice in those late-game fights was doing better target selection, was picking their, their moments a little bit more cleanly, and, and J2, I, th I think, are, are ultimately the more talented team. I think that they've been better for longer this split. And so I think that they ultimately were able to adjust. And again, I got to give them credit for that game five win because I think, I think a lot of that had to do with intelligence and understanding how to make use of that correct flanking path. And I want to give Young Buck some credit because I thought that these drafts were mostly very good. I don't think that G2 was outdrafted at any real point in the series, except maybe game four, and even that's a little questionable. I, I think that G2 has a point at the mid-game where that could have worked out quite well. I think the problem for me is that this is just not, not the clean, crisp 
G2 Absolutely esports not. that we're used to. This is it. This is a this is a perks that's dying more often than we're used to. This is uh, a Sven that isn't the same kind of just team fight, wipe the enemy board, and and now I'm just taking over the game. We're seeing Mithy is not M Mithy actually had a very good uh, series. I should give credit for that. Yeah, I he got, he got the MVP of the series. I thought that it was well deserved. I thought his um, his Thresh was great. I thought his Morgana was great. I, I thought that in general, uh, you know, that Alistar obviously in game five was massive. If you look at the other big moment that ultimately yeah. decided the series, that was almost entirely just him making this insane play. And as, you know, Arby, who is in our, our Discord and everything else, we, we love giving support some love. This is a support that deserves some love. But I think for the rest of G2, this was a step behind where we expect them to be. And it's hard to... It's hard to take away from G2 without kind of discrediting Splice for making it such a close series. I don't think that either team played badly. I'm not, this is not like a, man, G2 didn't look great and they were like Splice only competed because G2 didn't look great. I thought G2 looked good, at times even very good, but I don't think they looked great. And I think that they're not, it's not the same era of the three-time champs. It, it's, it's expectation of G2 was so incredibly high that they just absolutely failed to meet them this split at all. And I don't think you can call anything they did in that series very good because what our expectations are of this team in general. There's a reason they're, you know, three-time back-to-back-to-back EU LCS champions. And I don't think it's going to happen a fourth. I love my man Ocelot. I root for him all, you know, I love rooting for G2 because I think out of all the teams, they're the team that has the most personality um, in the players necessarily, not, you know, I think H2K as an organization has more personality um, than G2, but like G2, I love rooting for some of these guys. And I guess you got, you sort of like missed my, missed what I was saying was that I felt like G, it, it, even though Perks was dying so much, he was the one that was really making the plays that was um, him and him and Expect. Expect was on another level. And he, I, yeah. I've said this before, like the growth of Expect in a year and a half has been just incredible and i don't know who's coaching him i don't know if it's just this guy once again this is the guy we wanted sarah to turn into and expect is there and he is he is blown blown by all of our expectations <laughs> so now chase let us get to the terrible terrible late game that h2k has and why their early games mean absolutely nothing <sighs> see okay I hate saying absolutely nothing because obviously it's for dramatic effect it's for uh, that whole hyperbole fun stuff but it is worth pointing out, right, that H2K, because they won their group, are in this weird spot where they have to play the three-time defending champs, which is not ideal. Uh, they lost to G2 earlier in the split in a, in a loss that was so disappointing that Quickshot felt the need to come out on Reddit and talk about how he believes that, like, man, it seems like G2 or H2K just fails to step up in big moments. Like, that was, true. that was a huge, disappointing, just deflating balloon moment where we saw that this h2k team is just it's two different teams h2k and their nine wins is nine and oh 18 and oh they do not lose a map when they win a series it's amazing 18 and oh nine two o's over the course of a season anyone doing that in any other context We'd be like, okay, well, this is clearly the best team. Look at how they're stomping people. Look at how dominant. That's what we expect a KT Rolster to do, right? And then you look at in their losses, 
they're three and eight. And they have these four, like these losses are losses to teams that we actually ex respect. What are the losses to split? Well, they lost to Fnatic. Well, that's not a good sign because that's who they would play in the finals. They lost to G2. That's not a good sign because that's who they're playing right now. And they lost to the Unicorns of, of Love twice, which is not a good sign because losing to the Unicorns of Love as often as they have this season is probably a sign that they're not great at adapting to weird things that your opponent does, which is a thing that everyone okay, in the playoffs is trying to do. G2 definitely doesn't do that. No, G2 isn't doing anything weird. <laughs> G2 is doing yeah, nothing no, weird. Nunu Jungle just a few months ago. Nunu's I, not weird. Let's, it, let's, Nunu's not it weird. Was at Trip the time. plays it. Trip plays it. It was at the time. I, look, we have to talk about the current, not the time. And G two isn't doing anything special. Let's be not, honest. Not at this moment. But I don't. I would not feel self assured in that if I'm an H two K. And I think they're in this kind of precarious situation where right now they are a team that has so much raw talent on it that they can just beat up all of the lower tier teams, no problem. Just yes. smashes them. But when they have to play these great teams, not great players. Like, all of their players are great, but when they have to play these teams that know how to play as a unit and do so cohesively and can survive H2K's early game, well, then H2K is left looking back and saying, well, I don't know what to do. We, we were supposed to be ahead right now. Now we're not ahead. Now our composition doesn't work, or now we don't feel comfortable making the engages that we need to make, or whatever it is that day. But it's oh, well, now we're done because we're behind at the 15-minute mark, and that's something that we as a team have no idea how to handle. And to be that kind of one-dimensional, I think, especially in a playoff context, is maddening. It's something that makes it so... F I think it's one of the reasons why people are so quick to dismiss H2K's accomplishments as a team, which I know has to be frustrating to people like Chris Chance, who's in our Discord and is a huge H2K fan. People dismiss the fact that they went to the semifinals at Worlds last split because people have been looking for a reason to d discard this team and, and disown their accomplishments because they win. They they When they lose, they lose so badly. And it's... In, in such a like they just don't seem to know what they're doing kind of way so then how can we possibly give them credit for that look at how yeah. they didn't know the things that they're supposed to know but the thing is yeah they didn't know the things but they're so good at these mechanics and the essentials these they're basically europe's version of kt rolster it's a whole bunch of players who were all very good at their position top three potentially at each one for europe that are all great individually and don't seem to coalesce into a cohesive lull. And that's the other element. And I think you could say this about KT as well. H2K, when it matters most, we've been here before. With one exception, and Forgiven will forever be great, you know, Forgiven will always be grateful to H2K for having the opportunity to do it. And it certainly seemed like he gave them enough to get them past that barrier for at least a little bit. But when it matters most, this H2K team doesn't seem to know how to pull it home. And that's been something that's been true almost every split that probably has been the coach of this team. That's been an identity thing that we can point to going back to 2015. They don't know how to finish. They don't know how to finish anything. They don't know how to finish a game. They don't know how to finish a series. They don't know how to finish a tournament. They don't know how to finish the playoffs. They like... 
I'd be afraid to give them like a poster because I'm not sure they would know how to finish the autograph. <laughs> they'd be like two thirds of the letters through and then they'd just give it back to me. And I'd H2. Be there, like, yeah. There you go. Oh, man, I guess there we go. Okay. <laughs> I, Thanks, Ross. <laughs> okay. Thanks. Yeah, look, it's... Um, Thank you for laughing at that. That wasn't very you're funny. You're welcome. It, it's a concern. I'm, I'm concerned both that I laughed at that and that this H2K team just doesn't seem to understand how to make that next step forward. And it's been long enough with this group of players that, honestly, if they don't win this series, if they don't win when they have side advantage, after they've won a group against a G2 team that is slumping as much as we have noted that they are... I mean, you have to blow this up, right? Like, this is a team you have to blow up. I mean, I guess you could say, like, if they qualify through like, the gauntlet. Like, what? But, but it, it blowing up a team comes down to what are your goals. And if H2K's goals are just like, yeah, we're cool being, you know, a top three team in Europe, and you know, every other year we'll go to Worlds and like that kind of thing. Like, no, like you keep this team together. Just talent-wise, it's fantastic. I know you're looking at me like, wait a minute, this isn't the Walter I know. Yeah, what, wait, hold on. Walter Fedchuk. I'm being the devil. I, ha I, I have to be the devil's advocate here because I know you're like, blow it up if they don't make it. And I agree with that. But in order to have conversation, someone needs to take the opposing <laughs> side here. And I'm going to take the opposing side and just be like, I think the players, the, I think, I don't, I can't talk about like Che and nu nuclear just because I don't, they're Koreans and they're robots and they don't have any personalities and whatever. But like probably Oduwamne, Yankos, the Yankos Media wants manager. to win. Like I like, like Yankos and Fabivan are two hyper competitive. Does guys. he though? Because yes. I feel like he's having a lot of fun with all of the the like couch segments where he just gets to like lambast everyone else and just be like, Forgiven taught him very well about how to trash talk because he, his trash talk game is a one tier. It's you know awesome. what the problem with trash talk is. When you don't do well, it's turned against you, and then it's not so fun anymore. Like, this yeah. is fun for them because they've been winning. Yeah, so they get sure. to take shots at people. Because yeah. you know what? You can take all the shots you want from the couch during the quarterfinals. You didn't have to play. Jesus. Yeah. And, 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 yeah, and certainly H2K were not the only ones. But if H2K come out this week and they lose this series, God forbid they lose it badly. <laughs> like it's a 3-1 or a 3-0. Yes. Yeah. Which is in play. This is G2. It's always in play. I mean, I don't know as H2K how you, you bounce back for that. I don't know how you convince a couple of these players, especially I, I think Fabian and Yankos are the two I'd look at as these hyper-competitive guys. I don't know how you get them to buy back in. I don't know how you win back their trust in Crawley as a coach. Like, I think, I think there are serious systemic problems that could that are right now and this is this is an article I'm going to be writing for Unicorn it should be out within a couple of days of when this episode comes out like they are on this precipice of disaster where if things go well here it's all well and good and none of these worry wart problems are going to matter because they will have won the series and we'll be talking about how awesome they are and they made yeah. the leap and blah 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 blah, yeah. blah but if they lose if they have to go through the gauntlet in the first round of the gauntlet, potentially, depending on how Misfits does at this event. Probably, yeah. That's not a place that I, I think it's going to be very difficult to fight your way through three rounds of the gauntlet. It has gonna, never been done in Europe. It's, it's going to be Misfits, Unicorns of Love, Splice and then Splice. Is at the, Splice is at the bottom. We know Splice is at the bottom for a fact. Because they only got... Ten, they were oh, out of the last Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right, that's yeah, right. So they, they, lost so they have that's to right. go the distance. Yeah. But, it'd be spl it'd be spliced, then unicorns love, then misfits. 
it, it would all come down essentially to H2K and Misfits in a third place game to see who gets a, a bye is what we're potentially looking at if H2K loses here. And assuming Misfits loses here because then them could potentially bump Unicorns of Love down. Which would, Then it gets weird. Then we get into some shenanigans and we've got a lot of things to talk about on that end. But oh overall, this is not the place H2K wants to be. I, I think that that loss to the Unicorns of Love, even when the Unicorns of Love had nothing to play for, what that told me is that the problems that make H2K H2K are not fixed, have not been fixed, and I I don't know. We saw last playoffs, like, having faith that they would fix it for a big series is not necessarily going to pay off for you. I'm, I am very, very worried about H2K. Well, I'm worried about H2K, too. Because I've seen the lines, and um, Chase, why don't why don't you just give me your line? Why don't you just give me give me your line? I, I said G two minus one fifty. Yeah, you get. This I think G two. Yeah, there you go. I I why um how I'm very hey, confused. Why is, remember I, what? Remember how you beat me a couple weeks ago because you went back to like the preseason ratings that Unicorn did. And you looked at what they thought of these teams and went back through the system. Well, it turns out that Unicorn's been giving G2 a lot of benefit of the doubt. I don't know, probably those three titles that they've won. Yep. And H2K has no good win on their resume yeah. that is going to boost their formula up. So that's why I had it the way that I did. What's the actual line? I, I had H2K minus 185. I don't know why I put it at minus 185. That's In all honesty, I just I, I should have put it at like H2K minus 140 or 135 or something like that. Uh, it's G2 minus 172. H2K are at plus 130. There we go. Doesn't, doesn't this feel like if there's ever going to be the H2K moment, it's going to be this? It, this is the nobody believes in us because we've never ever proven we could do anything on the big stage moment? Or is this, this the no, we've never done anything on the big stage moment, we're scared? You know, we're soiling ourselves. Please don't make us do this. Oh, please don't make us do this. I mean, the What's problem with that is they've all been here in the playoffs before. So it's, I mean, if they want to pull them, nobody believes in us. You know what? The fact that you are underdogs when you have side advantage and had a first round bye, I'll put it this way. If that's not going to do it, nothing will. This is If that cannot inspire the best version of H2K, then... This is like when the Seattle Seahawks were seven and nine and hosting a divisional round in the playoffs. Yeah, that's that's where we are. For the God, record, if anyone's curious, awful. welcome to Europe LCS. That's where we are nowadays. This is why it just is so boring and just so not fun for me to watch this split. Uh, other other like interesting ones. Um, G two at minus one and a half is at plus one thirty. Okay. Interesting. Uh, five maps are at plus one seventy. That's interesting. Um, that's it. That's really okay. all that there is for interest. So for our smart money bets. Okay. I, I guess we need to make two because we do this as a podcast and not as bookies that are going to be answerable. If, uh, it's your fault. We could have just sat back on our laurels, taken our 12 bucks home and just been like, yeah, we're smart. Don't gamble on this. Look, man, compared to the two bets you took in North America, I think I'm doing all right. But I'm I'm going to say I feel like a H2K collapse is more likely than them going to five. Because I feel like if H2K wins, they do it in four. Okay. I don't think, like, I, I don't feel like. I don't trust them in a five game series. I don't trust them in a game five. 
No, I don't either. I, I think they. I, I think that if it gets to if it's one one, I, I think it's it's solved in four, and I I don't know which side it's going to be, but I think it's more likely that it's G two, um, which is why I, I think we should go for G two minus one and a half or plus one thirty. Okay. Do we want to bet on the Fnatic 3-0, like the ultimate misfits yeah, let's let just down? Do it. Let's just do it. It's not yeah. going to happen, but... It's it's more fun that way. I mean, not fun for Misfits fans, but, you know. I think it's hilarious. I, I think that's amazing. Yeah, so plus 175 on that. Uh, so our two smart money bets are going to be uh, Fnatic to take the 2-0, so the minus 2.5 at plus 175, and G2 minus 1.5 at plus 130. I mean, I don't want to gamble on either of these just because something stupid and silly is going to happen, but those are our smart money bets because Chase is making us follow the rules of the podcast that we run and that we make the rules and we <laughs> literally have the right to change them at any moment. Just you like know, I'm going to write a rule that prevents you well, from taking the belt from me. So it's done. It's if you've got a problem with the rules, hashtag set the rules. That's what I say to you, good sir. Oh, Hashtag set, set the rules. Up. I set that up. That is Absolutely terrible. you did. That is I appreciate Why you I for it, good up? sir. That's awful. That's awful. It's also awful that you gained a point on me, and it's now 12 to 11. I'm not happy about this. I really don't think the gauntlet should count. Yeah, I think it should count. I think uh, it's just fine where it is being part of our, our lovely challenge here. I mean, you, 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 should, you should know why I don't want it to count. There, there's actual, like, real-life implications and... and reasons why it maybe shouldn't count Ooh. i don't know maybe something that i had mentioned to you and talked about and could have been i don't know whatever you know but if you know if you want to hear reasons why chase thinks that the the gauntlet should count for our little competition and why he thinks that he should you know earn a chance i guess to attempt to win the championship belt back uh chase where can they follow you you can find me at RedshirtKing. Uh, you can talk to me about any of the things I said today. I am still excited about the European region. I know it's rough, especially for Unicorns of Love fans. It's easy to get down in the dumps and say, well, G2 isn't there, and who's going to be the team that's really going to step up in that big it's moment? going to be fanatic. But I... I am excited to see who can step up this week, and I would love to talk to you guys about it on Twitter. I'd love to talk about it to you guys in the YouTube comment section below. I love responding to each of you guys there. And of course, we've got our lovely Discord, which you can find in the video description. Lots of awesome listeners on there uh, talking about all of these things. And we even have our own resident memer who really deserves more love. Shout out to a Kegel. <laughs> Um, he's, oh it's, the, it's the latest title that we've given out. I didn't know we were going to have one, but we have one I'm really happy with, and uh, it's, I, it's been great to see. I think we need to bring back the profile picture rule when you lose and make <laughs> oh, no. you change your profile picture to, to that meme because oh. you're, you're the curator of that meme. You're the reason that that meme is has been created. It's pretty funny. You guys should can go take a look at it. <laughs> like just so they can see it for themselves. Yeah, I think yeah, it has to be. I think we should. Yeah, it's it's on it's on I think my Twitter page. I think I uploaded it. It was retweeted from the at Rough Drafts Pod Twitter account if you want to follow the show. And uh, if you want to give me an old follow on at C80s underscore LOL. And uh, yeah, it should be an interesting, interesting couple of games over in Europe this week. But come back tomorrow for I think the real joy. You know, I, I gotta say, I, I'm on cloud nine, man. I'm on cloud nine. I'm so ecstatic. Uh, I had a, I had an excellent quarterfinals weekend in North America, and I'm sure all of you lovely, lovely listeners can't wait to hear me gloat about how I was right 
and uh, I'm not nearly as nice as Chase. So until next time, Cloud9 fans, goodbye, Internet. You can follow the Rough Drafts podcast on all your favorite social media sites. Twitter, at Rough Drafts Pod, Facebook.com, backslash Rough Drafts Pod, SoundCloud.com, backslash Esports Rough Drafts, YouTube.com, backslash Rough Drafts Podcast, as well as on iTunes by searching for the Rough Drafts Podcast. The Rough Drafts Podcast is supported by our lovely Patreons at Patreon.com, backslash Rough Drafts Pod, and by viewers like you. Thanks for listening, and goodbye, Internet.